You are listening to the First Baptist Church Podcast. My name is Joe Cooper and I am the worship leader at Morton First Baptist Church. We are a church that seeks to honor God through both our biblical songs and preaching and in everything that we do as a church. Now join us as we begin our worship service. Letting go of every single dream. to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And next week we're going to take take about a week step away from Luke and we're going to look at something uh, important from the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 next week. Uh, so, so we'll look forward to doing that. Then we'll be, uh, Lord willing, back into the series of Luke after that. But today we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. It's a little bit longer portion of Scripture, so, so we're going to read this as we go today, uh, as we break it down. But I want you to remember 
the context of what's going on here and, and what it was that happened last week, Jesus has finished his sermon uh, on the plain and he had been healing the sick and he had been raising the dead. He had been performing these uh, miraculous, awesome miracles, even bringing uh, a dead person uh, back to life. And it was, it was just absolutely amazing. And as he did these things, uh, you know that's going to attract the crowd. And crowds start following uh, after, after Jesus. And it, it seems like uh, Jesus was working in, in so many different ways. Uh, but there's one guy that we'll see today who had been faithful in his ministry, had been a, a faithful uh, proponent of Jesus and would speak well of him. And we're talking about John the Baptist. But yet at this point in John's life, he is in prison. He's in prison for preaching the truth and proclaiming uh, what the leaders didn't want to hear. Uh, so he was put in jail for that. So all the while on the outside of prison, you have all these good things happening. Jesus healing people, bringing them back from the dead. And yet here faithful John is sitting in prison wondering what is going on. If he's the one that's been so faithful that he's been put in prison for it, why isn't he seeing the good things that other people are seeing? And I wonder today... Have any of you ever seen others just wrapped up in, in Jesus and, and really seemingly close to Him and just absolutely loving Jesus and, and God's doing a mighty work in their life? Uh, but all the while on the inside, you're, you're thinking, you know what, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not feeling that. I, I just don't see that. God's not doing that kind of work in my life. In fact, things are going pretty hard for me right now. Things are tough. Why is this person on top of the world and so many things are going right for them and yet here I am trying to be faithful to God and things are hard for me? Is Jesus the one? Or do we need to look for satisfaction and joy in someone else? What I want you to see today is that Jesus is who the Bible says that He is. And you don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to try to find joy, happiness, satisfaction anywhere else other than in Jesus. And what the Bible says about Him is absolutely truth. Let, let's read these first few verses and then pray and then dig into God's Word together. Luke chapter 7 verse 18. The Bible says the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expectant one or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expectant one or do we look for someone else? Let's pray. Father, help us today to see that when even in our life we seem to be stagnant, good things may not seemingly be happening to us, we're struggling, but Lord, help us in those times to not lose faith and to go back to your word and to understand that Jesus is exactly who you said he is. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is uh, the Creator. 
He is the one who went to the cross because of love and he, he died for us and he paid the penalty for our sin and he, he took our place and he gives us hope for the future. Jesus is all these things and more. And Lord, help us today to not let the doubt or faith that may be in front of us to shadow who we know Jesus is. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And the first thing we're going to look at today in this first small section is we're going to see the question uh, that we uh, all sometimes ask. There's a certain question that we all sometimes ask, and we've already read uh, what, what most of that question is. You remember, if you can remember that far back to chapter 3 in Luke, John the Baptist has been thrown in prison by Herod. So he's in prison, but as he is in prison, his disciples, his followers, would keep in contact with him. So, so they would come to prison and maybe keep him up to date on what's going on. Uh, when we talk about a prison ministry today, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about going to, to the prisons, but John was actually in prison uh, because of some things that he told Herod and he needed to turn from sin and and quit doing the sins he was doing, quit committing those, and he was put in, in jail for it. But in verse 18, the disciples of John uh, seems to be a regular report. They come to him, they report to him about all these things. They're saying, John, listen, here's this Jesus, and he's healing people. He is raising dead people, giving them life again. He's doing all these mighty things. Uh, what do you think about it? John. And in verse 19, you can see the wheel spinning in John's, uh, in John's mind. He summons two of his disciples and he sends them out to Jesus, sends them to the Lord. And here's what he tells them. He, he says, you go to Jesus and when you get to him, you need to ask him, are you the expected one or are we supposed to be looking for someone else? Now, just reading that, if we didn't know what had happened before this, we maybe wouldn't think a lot of it. But let's think back to when John and Jesus met up, when Jesus was first starting his, uh, his earthly ministry. And Jesus comes on the scene and John yells out and proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he's telling about Jesus like that. Jesus comes to John to be baptized and he says, No, I don't need to baptize uh, you. You need to baptize me. I I'm not even worthy to, to bend down and untie the thong of your sandal. What are you talking about? That's the kind of, of perspective John had on who Jesus was. He was greater than John. John recognized that. He was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. John knew all that. But as time went on, and as John was sitting in prison, unable to get out, he starts having some doubts creep into his mind. And now, instead of saying, you go to the Lamb of God and encourage him to continue on, instead of saying that, he says, go ask him, is this really what it's supposed to be? Are you really the expected one or is there somebody else that we need to be looking for? But now he's wondering if he got it right, if he ever had it right. And sometimes we ask ourselves that same question. 
there may be a time or a season in our life where we're following Jesus and things seem to be going great and we're on top of the world and, and we're living the Christian life and nobody's going to say anything to us. We're going to witness for, for Jesus. But then things may start going wrong. We may start having some trouble in life and, and certain things start casting doubt into our mind and start pulling us away from Jesus. And before you know it, we have the thought to creep into our mind that asks, you know, is it, is it really about Jesus or is something else going to make me happier? Is something else or someone else going to give me more satisfaction in life? Is my life really supposed to be about Jesus or can it be about what I'm supposed to do and want to do and the things that I, I enjoy? Is following Jesus really all that it's cracked up to be? And you may say this morning, well, I, I've never said those things with my mouth. I've never expressed that thought out loud, but I want you to think about every time that you begin to look for joy in something else, every time you begin to look for satisfaction somewhere else, anytime you begin to start getting truth that contradicts Scripture from somewhere else, you're saying it with your actions. You're saying, you know what, Jesus and following Him may not be for me. Maybe He doesn't offer me all the things that He says He does. Maybe He doesn't give me the hope and the joy and the satisfaction that I thought He did. Uh, maybe I need to dabble in something else. Maybe I need to follow someone else. Maybe I need to spend my time doing something else. And we wander away from Jesus and we put him on the back burner uh, because we've got caught up into other things. Well, how does Jesus respond to this? The men come up to him in verse 20 and ask him, they say to him, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the expectant one or do we look for someone else? How does Jesus respond? Well, let's look in verses 21 through 23. At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So you see the situation. Jesus is doing a wonderful work in ministry and John the Baptist's disciples come up to him and say, you know, Jesus, John wants us to ask this and you can kind of see them looking down and kicking their feet in the dirt, but are you the expectant one or do we need to look for someone else? And Jesus could have responded and said, of course I am. What are you talking about? D don't doubt. Don't waver in your faith. Don't ever question who I am. He could have said that, but instead he first did something. In verse 21 it says, At that very time, some of your translations may say at that very hour, he goes out and he cures many people of diseases, afflictions, evil spirits. He, he gives sight to the blind. And then after that, after he did those things in verse 22, he answered the disciples of John. And he tells them, here's what you need to do. You go and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. 
And then he gives a scripture from the Old Testament. He gives a quote here. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. He sends them back along with some scriptures that John should have known. These are quotes from Isaiah. Isaiah 35.5 says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and freedom to prisoners. So Jesus does what the Scripture says that He will do, and then He says to them, Go and remind John of this Scripture and how the Old Testament spoke of me, and I am doing exactly what the Old Testament had said. Well, what, what does this mean? Why did Jesus do that? Well, here's what you need to understand. It's hard to know who Jesus is if you don't find Him from the pages of Scripture. It's hard to know who Jesus really is if you don't find Him or know Him from the pages of Scripture. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, this is exactly what the world wants to do. Hardly anybody will say that they don't believe that Jesus existed, but if people do say they believe in Jesus or they find out you're a Christian, uh, the first thing they're going to tell you is that, oh, you're a Christian? Well, why don't you be a little more loving and accepting and, and quit talking about sin and don't bring up anything about sin at all? If you were like Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do? Wouldn't you be more like that? You know, just this past week, I, I read an article that was titled 22 Things That Christians Need to Stop Doing. And that's kind of the attitude of the world with us. Oh, you're a Christian? You say you're like Jesus? Well, doesn't Jesus act like this? Doesn't Jesus say that? Doesn't Jesus love? Doesn't Jesus accept everyone? And what ends up happening is Jesus is framed in a certain way in order to justify the way people are living. You know, the big thing in the news right now, of course, is the the transgender bathroom things. That's everywhere you turn. It's on the radio, on television. It's all over the place. And as Christians, we can't say anything about that because Jesus wouldn't want us to judge, right? You know, if we're real Christians, Jesus wouldn't want us to judge. He wouldn't want us to make anybody feel bad. Uh, so, so if we're Christians, we can't say anything. But if we read the Bible... If we find who Jesus is from the pages of Scripture, we see that Jesus says that God created people male and female. He speaks to it. He says something about it. Biblically, according to what Jesus says, there is no such thing as transgenderism. It's a fabrication of our imaginations and what people want to be and what people wish to be. So if we're finding what Jesus says from our own imaginations, we can make Jesus say whatever we want Him to say, but we can't do that. We have to go to Scripture and understand who He is, what He says, and what He expects of us. We have to make sure that the Jesus we're following is the Jesus from the Bible 
and not the Jesus from our imagination. Amen. In verse 23, Jesus says, Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. The NIV Bible says it this way, Blessed is the man who does not fall away. And so after he does what he does and says what he says and tells the disciples, go back and, and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard, he offers John a little bit of encouragement here. He, he didn't want John to live in discouragement. He didn't want doubt uh, to grip John and affect the way that he was living. And I encourage you today to hold on to the Jesus of the Bible and don't be dragged away from him. You may be struggling right now. You may be going through tough times. Your family may be going through a bad situation. And all this is in front of you. And you're sitting around just like John was wondering, you know what? Is following Jesus really all that it's cracked up to be? I plead with you today. Go back to Scripture just like Jesus told John to do here. See who He is. Find the hope that He offers. Trust in Him and do not be moved. That's who Jesus is. But another question we answer today is who is John? After Jesus does this, most likely the, 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 or the followers of Jesus, the crowds around Him, maybe said something about John. Like, yeah, Jesus, you, you tell him. Can't believe John came and said something like that to you. There had to be some sort of question or confusion about who John was because in verse 24 it says, When the messengers of John had left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are, are found in royal places. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. Verse 27 says, This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So Jesus turns and he answers who John is. You could almost see the crowd saying, Why wouldn't John just believe you, Jesus? Why would he express any sort of question at all? So, so Jesus speaks about John and he says, When you guys went to see John, when you went to be baptized by him, when you went and found him in, in the wilderness, you didn't go out there and find a flimsy reed that was tossed to and fro from the wind, changed according to the direction of the wind. You didn't see that when you found John. Uh, no, you didn't see someone who lived splendidly like someone who lived in a castle or, or in a king's court or in other royal places. That's not what you found in John. No, Jesus says instead John is a prophet. That's who he is. Yes, but he's even more than a prophet. Verse 27, Jesus says he is one who, who fulfilled Scripture. He is one who is the messenger of God, who, who came before Jesus, who prepared the way before Him. In fact, Jesus says in verse 28, among those people who are born of women, there's no one greater than John. He fulfills the scripture we read earlier from Malachi chapter 3, 
verse 1. And he says this about John, but yet in verse 28, there's an amazing thing that he says halfway through that verse. Yet he who is least in the kingdom, that's talking about you, that's talking about me, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Think about how Jesus speaks of John here and how he fulfills scripture and there's no one greater yet if you're in the kingdom the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than John if you're in the kingdom you've been saved you've been rescued you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and Jesus gives this good news and then we see two responses uh, with the people here in verse 29 you see the first response when all the people and the tax collectors, you know, just the average folks here, the sinners and, and just average everyday people, when they heard this, they acknowledged God's justice having been baptized with the baptism of John. They agreed and affirmed who God was and, 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 and really was encouraged with this word. But in verse 30, you have a different response. You have the religious people you have the Pharisees and the, the lawyers, uh, experts in the Mosaic law back then. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves not having been baptized by John. And that leads us into the last thing we want to see today is who is this generation? We've asked and answered who is Jesus. We've asked and answered who is John. Finally, let's ask and answer, who is this generation? After these two responses, in verse 31, Jesus says, To what then shall I compare the men of this generation, and what are they like? Now when Jesus says generation here, he's not necessarily talking about a, a people who lived in a certain time period, but he's talking about a people from any time period who responded the same way these people did in verse 30. And in verse 32, uh, he tells us what they're like. He says, They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another, and they say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. That's what this generation is like. Jesus says, You're just like children who can't make up your mind what to play. It's like kids saying, want to play? Yeah, I want to play. What do you want to play? Want to play basketball? No. Want to play trucks? No. Want to play baby dolls? No. Barbies? No. What do you want to play? I don't know. Let's play something. And they just go back and forth and they talk and talk and, and nothing ever happens. Nothing ever gets done. Jesus says this is how this generation of unbelievers are. Play the flute and you didn't want to dance. Uh, pretend it like it was funeral time, saying a dirge. You, you did not weep. You went from one extreme to the other and you didn't want to have any part of any of it whatsoever. There are some people that no matter what you offer them, they're not going to believe. That's what Jesus is saying here because you have in verse 33 one extreme with John the Baptist. It says, For John the Baptist has come eating no bread, drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. 
Okay, well, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. John preached repentance and he was rugged and he had a, wore camel's hair and a leather belt and he ate locusts and, and wild honey and he preached repentance and, and, and yelled at people and, and things like that. But in verse 34, now you have the Son of Man and he's coming and he's healing people. He's loving on people. He's raising people from the dead. It says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus is saying with John the Baptist, you wouldn't believe in the way that he preached and turned from your sin. And now Jesus has come, and he is showing you great mercy and healing and fulfilling Scripture and raising people from the dead, and you still won't believe. You find an excuse every single Time. And this is a picture not just of this generation, but the generation of people today who won't believe no matter what. <coughs> they say, well, you're a Christian. You have a message. You tell me about the gospel. I'm not going to believe that. I need proof. I don't have any proof. Will you give them proof? Well, that's not good enough proof. Whatever you say, whatever road you go down, whatever you try to offer them, they're not going to believe. They're uh, refusing to do that because it's not with the proof, it's with their heart issue. So no matter what is offered, they refuse to do it just like children playing that can't make up their mind what to play. And then finally in verse 35, Jesus says, Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. So even though foolish people reject Jesus... Spiritually wise people or those who have been born again, those who have been given an ear to hear, they understand that both John and Jesus had ministries that pointed people to the truth of who Jesus was. And so we come to the end of this today and you have to ask yourself, which one of these are you? You've seen who Jesus is. You've seen who John is. You've been confronted with who this generation is and how they act. You have to ask yourself, though, how do you respond? Do you stay the same when you hear the Word of God? Do you refuse to do what Jesus has said? Do you refuse to believe? Do you refuse to hold on to the hope that Jesus has offered you uh, in spite of your tough situation that you're going through? Who are you looking for today? Are you looking for Jesus or someone else? Is what Jesus has to offer not good enough for what you expect? What kind of response do you have? And I encourage you today to look to Jesus, the one who came to die for your sin, be buried raised again from the dead on the third day and then to call you away from your sin and to be saved by trusting in Him. Look to that Jesus, not the one of your imagination, not the one of your making, not the one that makes you feel comfortable, not the one that doesn't hurt your feelings, but the Jesus of Scripture who came to die for your sin. Will you trust Him today? Or will you be like the ones who, who say, it doesn't matter what I hear. I'm never going to make a decision. I'm always going to ride the fence. I'm going to do what I want to do. I can't decide what I want to play. I, I can't uh, make a decision about what Scripture says. I'm just going to keep drifting through life. No, don't let that be you today. 
be the one who says, I see and hear who Jesus is and I believe. Will you do that today?